A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, my name's Nick. Hello, I'm Woogie. We are the Mouth of Manliness. This is a podcast all about uh, mental health. But it's not just mental health. Um, It's kind of about people's lives and about uh, how they cope and how they manage in the world. Yeah, and digging into the stories that make them who they are. Yeah, so it's real life stories um, where we talk about things that people have been through and how they've managed and how they've coped and how they've come out the other side. So sometimes it's just me and Woggy here, but more often than not, we're talking to guests, uh, sometimes more well-known guests, but more often than anything, it's um, just normal people who have been through um, interesting situations. Yeah, and they've all got a lovely story to tell. Yeah, so mouth and manliness, we are about mental health, but we're more about people and stories. So welcome to the mouth. The mouth of manliness. Back to the mouth of manliness. Um, we are in the middle of a heat wave. Uh, we've got an amber warning, so make sure you um, keep cool. Um, our guest today is Rachel Jepson. Um, someone like we've spoken a few times on uh, Facebook, haven't we? And I think it was um, my friend John who kind of introduced me your way, I believe. John Horsley, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, so it's quite, oh, it's interesting, right? Because you've put some posts and that on Facebook, and, um, you know, I tend to always agree with whatever you're saying, especially around mental health. And um, the one that really kind of had me was when um, you were talking about how women are treated in music. Um, and that actually, it shouldn't have shocked me, but it really shocked me. It really did. And it it kind of it upset me, if anything. Um, and, yeah, it really did kind of have me. Uh, so t- tell me a bit about, can we start with you and then we'll lead on to the work you've been doing or should, or should we start with what you're doing? Um, so it's, I'm not massively organised. Uh, it's, it's very much a chat. <laughs> um Tell me about you then. So you, you used to work in music. Well, I I am a I am a singer, so I've always been in bands, right. um, and and did session work sort of back in the day. I went I went to Vocal Tech, which is now BIM. Um, right. That's that's what I, that's how I kind of got started. I sang with like the school jazz band, and then moved to London when I was about eighteen to sing with the National Youth jazz orchestra so um, I've sort of done singing you know for well over 20 years um, um and yeah just you know kind of 
in that industry really for a long time and then I've, I've yeah I've always been in bands I'm in a band at the moment obviously we haven't been able to do a lot but um, we're always writing and trying to record and yeah so it's just a part of my life and obviously you know a lot of my friends and family are involved in music so yeah it kind of uh, makes sense to me this this industry. So were you brought up like musically but you're like your parents really into music and that kind of no. rubbed off on you? Not at all, no. I mean, my my, I'm the youngest of three. My elder brother and sister used to listen to a lot of music. Yeah. So I think naturally, because they did, I had a massive interest in it as well, even though we weren't always into the same things. Um, so I've got a very sort of eclectic, um, yeah, taste in music. But yeah, not really, no. And and whenever I did anything musical, everyone thought it was amazing because they they didn't. So anything I did was praised, um, which is, yeah, it, it, take that how you will. It can either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on you. Know, well, yeah, it's better than them not being nice, isn't it? <laughs> you want to hear nice things. It is, but it can also set you up for, you know, if you do get rejections, um, it can be really hard to take because you're like, what? Everyone's yeah. great. And now, you know, so yeah. But obviously, yes, it's wonderful that I have such a support. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I, I spent many years trying to make it in a band and uh, uh, you do have to get used to rejection, don't you? <laughs> you really do. And, and that's not great for your psyche. Uh, because you kind of you build yourself up and you get excited and then things kind of knock you back. It's pretty difficult. Uh, I, I, it's funny, like, looking back on it now, I don't think I would have been able to cope with it. If, if I'd been a successful musician, uh, I wonder if I'd have been able to cope with it. Now I understand my mental health so much better. Uh, I think it might have driven me a bit mad. Okay, what what part of it do you think would have driven you mad? Um, I suppose I always wanted to be like a really successful rock star, and I think um, I I actually have come to realise that I kind of need uh, need to know what's going on around me. I need like routine and kind of normalcy everywhere, and um, and then if I get excited, uh, I've got. Um, borderline personality disorder and as I've been learning about that I get excited and then things go wrong and my world comes crashing down and it seems like music's a lot like that and I don't yeah I don't think I'd have been able to deal with the ups and downs yeah yeah and, and you know that that's the thing isn't it that's that's sort of what I do is work with people who are going through the ups yeah. and downs and it is, it is a really difficult industry. It can be great, but yeah. also really difficult. Yeah. So what led you into doing what you do now? Can you explain what you do now? Just so yeah. everyone knows, please. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a counsellor working within the music industry. Um, I set up counselling for musicians in January 2017, so sort of one and a half years now. Um, and yeah, I, 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 you know, saw a gap where there was some provision needed and yeah. sort of went with it, really. Um, so yeah, I, I provide um, counselling, but I also run 
a couple of courses as well, which are now provided from Tonic, who are a music charity, fairly new right. music charity. Um, and yeah, just just basically raising awareness. I've written a book about mental health in the oh, music right. industry. Um, and just, yeah, just getting the word out there as much as I possibly can. That's what I do. My um, friend's got a podcast and he had Adam, who's in Baby Shambles, on his podcast and he does a similar thing. I think, have you worked together? Yeah. I yeah. thought you might have done. Yeah, you can't you can't kind of do what we're doing and not sort of bump into each other. Yeah. I'm obviously in Manchester and he's in London. Yeah. Um, are collaborating on a on a project at the moment, uh, which is a sort of directory for musicians who are psychotherapists or counsellors. Um, so it's free to join. Just put anybody. We get I get a lot of people saying I'm a musician and I'm a counsellor and I want to do what you do. Do you have any advice? So I thought if we have everybody in one place, yeah. um, it's free, you know, just stand over your stuff. And so, yeah, so we, yeah, we've got, we're doing that together. We, yeah, he does a lot for tonic as well. So yeah, yeah, he's great. It was, um, I, I work in mental health and um, I was talking to someone today. Uh, I was quite excited about like chatting with you and I was like kind of explaining who, who you were and what you did. And we were both kind of like in agreement that, it sometimes you really need someone who's kind of been there. It needs to be quite specific. It's like, you know, like um, PTSD for ex-military men and women, uh, you know, they need someone who's kind of been there quite often. Uh, it just makes a massive difference, I think. So it really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. I get, I get that a lot, actually. I get people saying that a lot. Some people say it really doesn't matter. So I work with people who aren't in music as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of people say oh, it really helps that you know you know what I'm talking about because I have to explain to other counsellors about them. And I spend like half a session explaining what a contract is, or yeah. you know, it's like. But yeah, some people, some people really like that they, they that someone doesn't know. But yeah, that shared experience is really important to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a difficult one. I think as counsellors, often counsellors are told not to share, aren't they? Like, you, you don't give anything away. And uh, I, I, I've had a lot of therapy in my life, and if a counsellor shares even just a little bit, it makes a massive difference to me. It really does, and it feels like a shared experience, so it's not just all, like, I'm insane kind of thing. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it makes a big difference to me. Even just a little bit. I've had people who've said like, um, you know, I'll share this small thing and they might tell me a story, you know, that something that's happened to them. And then instantly I feel much closer to the person and um and it just all is so much easier. It really is. But yeah, you know, it's you know, it's like a lot of men wouldn't want to talk to a younger woman for a counsellor, and, and as you say, it doesn't always matter. You know, it, it's all about do you feel comfortable or not? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the kind of it's the kind of industry counselling yeah. where um, there are a lot of women and not a lot of men. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 kind of difficult in a way to find men who who do what I do. So. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that some people want someone that is the same as them and have that share, even if it is somebody that's the same gender as you. Yeah, yeah. So how did you end up getting into counselling then? 
it's a good question. I don't know, really. I um, It sort of made sense when I thought about it because I've always done the music thing, sometimes yeah. professionally, um, and always had office jobs as well. Right. So I, I knew that at some point um, it would be a good idea to do something I really enjoyed and kind of pursue that. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the counselling made sense. Um, as soon as I thought of it, I thought, like how have I never thought of that before yeah. um and then obviously you know when I qualified I then started researching provision for, for music um and found that there wasn't at the time you know recently there's been a lot more I think Adam might have been the only person I was aware of that was doing anything close to that um, and then obviously there were music charities now there are quite a lot so yeah it, it, it sort of made sense to go down that path with it but yeah I, I don't know I just thought of it one day I was actually playing a video game I, I remember the moment really? Yeah, really? playing a video game and I was like counselling um it was the strangest thing so obviously something must have happened during the day and it kind of subconsciously came back while I was playing this video game but it just suddenly made loads of sense and then I started researching courses and stuff. And the rest is history, really. But yeah. It takes a long time, doesn't it, to qualify? It does. Yeah. What do you do in mental health? Um, I work for uh, Minds, um, like my local Minds. And um, I, um, I support people, or I, I've got a little team. Uh, and I manage people who support people who, um, uh, as people who come out of like secondary mental health care. So um, there's a big push in the NHS to free up the space. Um, so we try and make sure people aren't left out on their own as they kind of go back to their GPs. Um, and uh, it, it, I think the the sad thing is is that you see that you know people could well have been under like a psychiatrist with the NHS but hardly got any real input um, and you know three years down the line they've not necessarily moved along and it's really sad um, but it's a weird one because I know with my own mental health it's always kind of there you know like I've moved they call it recovery, don't they? And I think yeah, you go for recovery, but it's always like I have good and bad days still, you know, mm. and so you could see how people struggle to move forwards. Absolutely. What a great service that is, though. Like, what a great thing you provide. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I've been. I've only been doing it since February. Before that, I was a probation officer. I was working with youths, and so part of that, my, to get qualified in that, I had to do a degree and do psychology and sociology and all those things. So it all kind of ties in quite nicely, just like a bit of understanding of people. And I've obviously talked to millions of people about their problems, basically. Yeah, too, too <laughs> into it. Yeah, of course. So we were talking about, uh, yeah, the bit you put about uh, how women are treated in the music industry. Um, so I'm kind of guessing that you had a, that you didn't get treated particularly well. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I this is something that I believe it or not, I've only really become aware of in the last couple of years. I, I, I think I 
questioned it so much that I started thinking maybe I was to blame or I'd, you know, done something or said something. And the more I think about it, obviously that that wasn't the case. I think at the time you tell yourself, um, you know, all of those things, well, you know, it was down to that or it was because of this. And actually it wasn't good. Um, And I'm just starting to realise that. Um, and and encouraging as much as possible other people to speak up about it. I know, you know, not everyone wants to, and that's completely fine, and I completely respect that. But yeah, I'm starting to, in in a position, in the position I'm in, I'm starting to realise actually it could be really important for me to, yeah, sort of talk about things. But obviously, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever name and shame anybody. Uh But to be honest, I have been tempted. I wouldn't. But how it has crossed my mind, like, what would happen if I said this person's name what the what would the impact be and obviously it'd be awful for them um but yeah it's it's just something and it still goes on you know I work with a lot of people or some of them young women some of them you know older women it doesn't really matter um some of the men who have been through you know discrimination harassment it's um it's just really really not good and it's still going on and that yeah it's that power it's all about power isn't it and it's basically you know we recognize those kind of things in like domestic um like domestic violence and things that'll be recognized there that it's manipulation coercion and you know and it's abuse but yet um in business somehow uh it's kind of it's more acceptable but it's not you know it's not acceptable but it goes on yeah and and it you know i've been i've been um i've been talking to a lot of people at the moment because i'm doing my master's dissertation so i've been i've been talking to a lot of people about you know their experiences in music what needs to change and very much sort of like things need to change let's be positive about it but yeah Yeah. a lot of a lot of people have been saying that music needs a me too moment and I know that a few people have spoken up. Some really well-known people have spoken up about this kind of stuff. But yeah, may, maybe that maybe that does need to happen. But yeah, there's there's a lot of situations. You know, obviously when I was starting out, and even now, where you know young people, and again not just women, but but mainly in my experience, are sort of left alone with older people who do have that power. And it's because because they're in the power, and there's this whole sort of culture of well you're lucky to be there yeah yeah that's what I was gonna say say. yeah do whatever they say because they know what they're talking about but actually these people are really vulnerable and no one's warning them about this stuff so and even parents you know oh wow you got this record deal with so you know so and so listen to what they say and and it's it's just not great and there's no there's no sort of policies in place for that kind of thing it's sort of like do it if you want to you're lucky to be there um, and actually maybe people and, and to protect the the other the person in power too that there doesn't seem to be a lot in in that way but yeah I, I kind of wish someone had been there to warn me a little bit you know it's funny what you say well not funny but um that these kind of things start creeping in later on years and years down the line and it starts to creep in and you start thinking ah right maybe that's why I'm a bit like this sometimes like I've had many moments like that and um you know and I've been quite public about it on here and quite open about you know I've upset a few people along the way because I 
I just thought I needed to say it all. And um, uh, but yeah, yet still I find things creeping on me, and I'm like, oh, that wasn't good, was it? And that's why I'm a mess. And and it's just it's so strange how you push it away, and then suddenly they kind of creep up, and you think, oh, and that was a trauma. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, it, and and trauma definitely it's, it stays in the body. Yeah. You know, it stays in the body, and it does get triggered. And and that you know that's that's part of what I do as a, as a counselor is to you know work with people whose stuff is coming up, and they can no longer repress it, and they can no longer push it down because it's just it's there, and it needs to be processed and dealt with, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I see a therapist. I talk to her about this stuff. You know, I'm starting to get to grips with, you know, actually I was treated really badly and um, that wasn't right. And what do I do, what do, I do with this now? So I, I'm not going to say, you know, anyone's name. So therefore I need to be okay with it to an yeah. extent. And yeah. You've said, you know, speak about it, raise awareness. Hopefully other people in my position um will listen and go okay yeah maybe I've been through that or I'm going I'm in that position where that could happen I need to yeah. step away from it a little bit that doesn't feel healthy to me yeah yeah I think it's the conversation isn't it if you if you start the conversation no matter how or where you do it then other people might join or they might hear it and go oh I'm not you know that's wrong or Oh, I'm not so bad. Because the, the telling thing that, that you said earlier, um, which I could really like relate to, you know, when you said uh, you, you think it's you, you think you've done something and it's like, oh, no, they're all right. I must be getting it wrong. And you spend so, and you, you just turn it around and it's all against you. And that's really terrible because, you know, that, that turns into a proper mental health problem, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's probably, you know, what people in power are sort of betting on, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're gaslighting, you know, especially within music. Well, you know, if you had slept with me or you had done this, not not that this is necessarily what's happened with yeah. me. But yeah, those kind of scenarios, you know, if you'd done this, if you'd known what was good for you, you'd be in a better position by now. You know, and yeah. then you start to think, okay, yeah, maybe they were right. Maybe I would be you know playing Wembley if I'd only you know gone away for the weekend with them or whatever it was that they wanted yeah. so yeah there's there's something in there about gaslighting having you question yourself and of course it's not your fault you know it's just, just the way that they've kind of spun it yeah yeah like victim blaming I, I just keep thinking about the Britney Spears thing it's like oh no she's insane she's mad she needs our help and it's like well surely you review these things like you know surely you review it after a year and then you don't just take someone's rights away from them completely even if they are unwell you know yeah. that's yeah. not it's yeah it's, it's really not really not really good and and you know we we can we can sort of talk about you know, would that have happened to a man in the industry? You know, well, she felt she had no control and people were, you know, totally in control of her career. Would that have happened to, you know, 
Justin Timberlake or sort of whoever was around at that time. So there's a lot of there's a lot of questions and a lot of people not taking responsibility for their yeah. part in things. Um, and we need to we need to sort of question these things for things to change. Yeah, yeah. So have you ever had like struggled with your own mental health because i wondered if that is why you got into working in mental health because that's what i did really yeah that's i think i think yeah as you know you know you you can you get drawn to it i think if you if you if you have struggled um you want you want to help people and there's something in you that, that will never be the same again. You know, once you once you're aware that you struggle and there's something going on, um, you, you you know you can't really go back from that. And therefore, I think you know once that kind of gate's opened, you you do want to help other people in whatever way you can, whether that's being a counsellor or you know just talking to your friends, being open with them. You know, there's yeah. something really important about that. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I I I had a a wonderful childhood but had an absent father who I didn't know um, and abandonment issues all of that kind of stuff and I think I, I probably took that into the into music I took that into the industry any any older man that showed me any attention um, would be somebody that I would you know want to work with and they would be you know really supportive and lovely it was never there was never anything sort of explicitly sexual going on I think I just, you know, leave. I wanted those kinds of people. I wanted older men around me. So there was all that kind of stuff going on. Um, and yeah, just, you know, on and off depression, being triggered sometimes by things like we were talking about earlier, you know, being rejected, you know, having an idea of yourself um, and, and maybe other people not having that same idea and, and not knowing really what to do with that. Nobody warned me about that. Nobody said, some people probably aren't going to like your stuff. You know, and, and then what are you going to do? Because I was always so used to people everything I did. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was a lot in that, a lot in, a lot in sort of obviously not blaming at all the music industry for my own mental health, but it definitely exacerbates things if you're already struggling. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that's a term I use all the time, exacerbate. It's like, oh, there's an issue there. Like, you've got, I, I'm sim similarly, like, my dad was around, but he was, I often think of him as a ghost. He was there, but he wasn't there. Uh, and, um, yeah, and as I've gone forward in life, I've found myself kind of latching on to, like, even just male friends, you know, like, almost... You know, they let me down. It's huge because it's I've almost thrown my dad into them. It's like be my dad, and um, yeah, I've had to get my head around that because I do. I, I still do. That. I find that difficult. And uh, I get it's that lack of attachment, isn't it? Yeah, that part of me's never grown properly. So yeah. I'm looking for it in lots of different men. Um, and I, you know, I've got I've got an older brother who's who's like, I've got a really nice relationship with. But yeah, a lot of a lot of my male friends who are a bit older than me, um, I do you know, and I have to be really open with them about it. You know, if if I feel like I've been let down, I'm like, yeah, I feel like you're my dad or something, yeah. and then usually very understanding. But yeah, definitely, that's yeah, really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's kind of like you let me down, but you have to realise that 
how I view you, you've let me down much more than just a little let down uh, <laughs> because I've got an attachment issue. <laughs> and, it's, uh, and it's like, and I'm really sorry to put that on you because we're just meant to be mates. But yeah, oh, I do that all the time. Awful for that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, I struggle with letdowns. So how did you deal with uh, depression when, when you've had periods of depression? Yeah, I mean, again, like, 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 like with the, um, you know, the, the, the sort of how I've been treated in the industry as a woman, um, it's stuff really that's come later on. I, I don't think I did deal with it for a really long time. It would come and go. I would see ther different therapists um, and, and I had a little bit of an understanding of why it was happening, but not not to the point I do now. Um, I think doing the counselling courses, obviously, late, I mean, when did I find that? I think when I was about 32, so, so seven years ago, I started um, doing counselling stuff. That really helped because you know, I was constantly talking to other people. You had to do sort of the peer, yeah. um, you know, practicing. And so I, I realized a lot of stuff. I realized that I had a lot of unfinished business that I needed to sort out if I was going to work as a counselor. And that really did help. Um, but yeah, I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever dealt with it. And if anyone prescribed anything, I would get it filled out, I would put the box by my bed, and I very, very rarely took anything that was prescribed. Uh, I, I went through years of drinking mostly and taking drugs, but mostly alcohol, uh, like 10 years, drank every day. And, um, and, I, and obviously that made everything 10 times worse, but I would have periods in that when I would really dip and then I'd go to the doctors, the doctor would give me pills. And then I wouldn't take the pills because I really, I just wanted to drink, <laughs> you know, like it's so self-destructive. It's like, well, the pills aren't going to work or they'd make me feel really shit. And I remember once my, my friends kind of being annoyed that I was, I said, I'm, I'm going to not drinking on the head for a while because um, I need to take these pills. And they were like, Oh, what are we going to do then? Oh. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Uh, yeah, that's such a common thing, though. Is it I, really? Yeah, I, I I spoke to somebody the other day who um she she was in a band and she wanted to quit smoke, quit drinking, um but as soon as she told her bandmates about it, they were really nasty. You know, like you're no fun anymore. Yeah. You know, this is going to be really boring if we go out on tour and you're not drink. Like they were really nasty about it. Um, and obviously your friends were like that, that kind of level. It's, I think it's very common because you're kind of holding a mirror up, aren't you? Yeah. So saying, I am stopping drinking. Well, you know, are you? Well, you know, that's how people feel. I know you're not. Yeah. I think yeah. that's how people feel. They feel very judged. and Or maybe if they're stopping drinking, maybe I should stop drinking it. They get kind of defensive about it. So that's probably where that was coming from, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, I think so. It is. Um, it is funny how people respond like that. I mean, I've had very, I've had strange responses over the years just with mental health. Like yeah. you know, old old friends. If I 
like now I'm incredibly open and I will talk about it all day long. Uh, and you know, and if and I've still got friends who'd be like, but your dad wasn't that bad, was he? And it's like, no, but it's not about whether he was bad or not, it's about the impact. And people were just like, well, then you're just being a baby. And you're like, but that's uh, that's that's like masculinity talking there. That's, um, you know, like, no, men can't talk like that. We, and, uh, yeah, that it shocks me. I, I've had a few kind of responses like that when I talk openly about mental health. Like, some people really don't like, don't can't deal with it. And I, I often think it is, it's that... If, if I talk about it, then maybe they will talk about it and they don't want to let their guard down or not look manly if it's men. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, like 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 the, the same kind of thing, you, you sort of, yeah, you, you're holding something up to them and maybe they're not ready for it. And maybe some people are. Maybe you catch someone at a really, you know, perfect time and they think actually... You know they're sharing, so I'll share as well. They're the they're the kind of golden times, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Being a time, and I can imagine, you know, being a man talking about that stuff. You know, people people are just feeling really um, defensive about it because they're maybe worried that that will be expected of them, and they're not ready, or they would they wouldn't want to do that. But it's such a shame, isn't it, that it's not just something we talk about all the time, you know. It really is. I, like, I've spent most of my working life, well, at least the last 20 years, working with mostly women. And it's very different. You know, it's really different. It's just like people will be like, I've had a bad day, and then they'll talk about why well, they've had a bad day rather than just I've had an even bad day. You know, and uh, it makes a big difference for me. It really does. But... Yeah, I find if I share more often than people, more often than not nowadays, people will be like, yeah, oh, I never thought about it like that. And it makes a difference. And I suppose that's how we change things. Yes, that's it, isn't it? You know, yeah. showing, showing people that you can talk about things will at some point undoubtedly inspire them at some point to do the same thing with someone you know, and, and that's 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 all you can hope for, isn't it? Making those changes, making it less taboo, especially among boys. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, so toxic sometimes. It's funny, kind of thinking about it in terms of music, but um, I was talking to a guy, the singer from the band A, who was on there, uh, like, last year, and... Um, like I've always had this kind of failed rock star complex, and uh, and talking to him really kind of made me realise that it's not really that. I mean, it's a different environment, but you're still you in that environment. And he was saying how it was just fraught with um, insecurity. How uh, it could be really successful, like they had a really big song and they did really well, but then you're like, oh, how am I going to do it again? Or he'd be standing in, at the side of a stage thinking I'll never be as good as them. And uh, just incredibly insecure. Yeah. Yeah. And that never that never goes away. I mean, I, I speak for people who, you know, are really successful and are still feeling like an imposter. And yeah. at any minute, 
someone's gonna go right you don't deserve this let you know someone else will do this now you've had your time it's just again it's just really common and and again that that thing of you're really lucky to be here if if it's not you it'll be someone else so you've got to you've got to stick with it you've got to be really good with it and constantly comparing yourself yeah yeah you're lucky so yeah find a way to cope with it and uh, you can see why people get into like heavy drug use because at first everything's fun and then um then it's like oh this is a good way to cope that's it isn't it there's no there's there's not a massive amount of support with that kind of thing you know that people tell you're lucky um but you know to you there's so much with that so much that goes along with that and you know possibly the powers that be in the music industry want to keep you feeling lucky they want to keep you in that you know it can all fall at any moment so let's do really well with this you know it's it's sort of it's, it's, it's motivating, but also incredibly disheartening at the same time. Yeah, but yeah that, I don't think that ever goes away, that, that comparing yourself and just feeling like an imposter or that you don't deserve it and you're not worthy of it. And yeah, any level. Yeah, I often wonder if like uh, Dave Grohl has that. I, I do this all the time. Uh, everything goes back to, I wonder if Dave Grohl feels that. Does Dave Grohl feel insecure? Because he looks like the happiest guy in the world. And you think, well, of course he does. Of course he has bad days. And, you know, of course he's going to have days when he doesn't want to go and play a stadium. You know, his kids at school or whatever. It's it's still like a human thing. Yeah, yeah. And for him, you know, he's obviously incredibly massive in terms of success. But it'll be different, you know. It'll be it'll be different, but the same. It'll be well, you know. Last week I played, you know, this arena. The sound was really great. I really hope that that happens again. You know, what if the sound's bad? What if my drum? You know, he's such a perfectionist, isn't he? By all accounts, and things that I've watched of him, and you know, he he will have that. It might not be quite the same, but it'll still be that. Wow, I'm really lucky to be here. And I just hope everything runs smoothly and we give the audience what they want and it'll be there. It'll still be there. But yeah. Yeah, I didn't really think about it in those terms. Yeah, you still that thing. You don't want to let people down. Everyone's like this. You actually employ loads of people. So you don't want to be a bad boss. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Isn't there? There's a whole reputation that maybe people who are lesser known don't have to think about as much, you know, until they do get to that level where, you know, your whole persona is known by everybody mm. and you have to live up to it. You know, that you have to be that guy because everyone will put it on social media if you're not or you act like a dick or, you know, the sound was awful and the drumming was bad. And you could yeah. never let it drop. You could never let that drop, could you? Because it's always there. Oh, that's an interesting one as well. Yeah, if you're already so, if you, I mean, obviously, I don't, if you don't expect you to say names, but if you dealt with um, people who are kind of in the eye all the time, because that must be a whole other like yeah. minefield to try and navigate when everyone knows who you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and you know, sometimes I mean, of this this last 
we haven't, I mean, we haven't even talked about sort of COVID and things. Uh -huh. This last 18 months has been so difficult in, in many ways for the, the clients that I've worked with that are, uh, you know, really well known. And um, it's actually been really nice in some ways because they've been able to kind of just be them in their house, sometimes with people uh, that they love and care about, you know, their close family and friends. Um, and, and yeah, take a step back and sort of be as they are rather than being that persona. Um, obviously, there's been real massive negatives to, to this yeah, last year. Yeah, as well. But yeah, that there is that there is that kind of constantly having to worry about what you've said on Twitter or Instagram because somebody's taken offense to it. Mm. Um, I've had people who have asked if they can come off social media completely because they can't deal with it anymore. You know, the, 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 again, these things need to be dealt with. They, they, you know, need to listen to people if that's something that's bothering them. Yeah. Um, and luckily, they were really nice about it. But there's there's lots of management that aren't and just keep pushing and pushing. And, you know, you don't want to stop now. You want to keep going. You know, we're just, we're just on the cusp of, you know, this. And, and they have, they feel like they have to, even when they've said, I need to take some time off. I need, you're not listening to me. I need to take a week or two off. You still get pushed and pushed. So, yeah, always being on. You know, they're, they're always having to be on. They can never just be themselves, which is why this last, you know, 18 months or so has been really valuable in some ways because people can go right back to basics, right back to why they started in the first place. Even, even some people have... Um, really stepped away from things you know they've realized that maybe a couple of years ago they were taking on too much they were agreeing to things they didn't actually want to do because their management thought it was a good idea and now all of that's been taken away they have so much more choice over what they say yes to um it's it's there's been a lot of positives in that way from what i've seen um yeah I yeah that, that that was kind of my initial experience really it was like right everything turn everything gets turned off you know like everything just stops for a bit um and the rat race just stopped and you could just kind of breathe for a while it was quite nice yeah but i think obviously then the changes and the uncertainty started to kind of wear in and that's left people who you know then you're worried about finance and things like that and i think obviously that's been a massive thing hasn't it with like, the music industry all the venues and everything and pubs and everything closing it's just a nightmare yeah, it really is isn't it and 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 you know maybe maybe people need some reassurance at the moment about you know what's going to happen if this happens again you know people do not want to be in that position again um and, and yeah things are sort of opening up again gigs are coming back on you know a few of the artists that i work with are really excited about that obviously because i've been doing it for such a long time but there's also anxiety around you know what will it be like you know will people show up now because um, am i you know well known anymore am i, am I still yeah. gonna it? um and also you know is this gonna happen again you know they don't trust it you know they've yeah. got maybe a gig in a couple of weeks and they're thinking god you know is this going to be cancelled such uncertainty living on the edge of just the unknown all the time but yeah, yeah. it's like doing the the one thing that kind of feeds you it's like you know, like I do artwork as well, and if I couldn't do artwork, like that would 
that would be really detrimental to me. Uh, yeah. And not being able to do those things that feed your soul almost is is killer, isn't it? It's like, and then where's your identity? It's, it really messes with you on that level as well. It's like, I mean, if I'm not doing that, who am I? What what do I do? That is such a big one, Nick. Yeah, that is such a big one. Because, yeah, people's identities are tied up in what they do creatively, aren't they? You know, and especially people who are in music for a living, you know, there's the massive, you know, like you say, who am I? And, it, and like we said, in, in some respects, that's been really valuable for people because after the initial horror of, oh, everything's been ripped away from me, what is going to happen now? Um, there has been a little bit of room for people to step back a bit and say, okay, this is who I am. Well, maybe this isn't who I am and I need to do more of this other thing because this makes me happy instead. Yeah. Yeah, but you're absolutely identity massively tied up in what you do on stage. And then obviously all of that got cancelled. So then what do people do? It's uh, I, I've kind of just been noticing that more and more so so much is tied up with our identity and how we view ourselves um and it, yeah if that's kind of skewed it can really knock you you know much more than you even realize i think sometimes because yeah the way you view yourself is quite often different to how other people view you and then if, then if you're like well who am i yeah what was it i i, I had this idea recently i thought oh i've got mental health sorted it was mostly about me um, but it was um like everything's about insecurity this is the conclusion i came to and, uh, and i was throwing it around at work a little bit about this idea of every like we're all incredibly insecure even if we appear um really like confident then we're probably overcompensating for insecurity somewhere else um and actually we're all massively insecure and that ties in with our identity um and most problems come out of insecurity this was that was my conclusion the other day uh it's certainly the case with me you know we were talking about you know like a distant parent that makes you feel not good enough yeah so yeah. that makes you insecure yeah absolutely yeah why didn't they stick around that was my that was my thing you know it's my fault that he didn't stick around if I was interesting enough or you know good enough he wouldn't have left and obviously yeah. that's bull and I believe and I know yeah. that now but that was what those were the messages that I got. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lack of confidence, lack of self-worth, insecure, probably paranoid as well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I yeah, there's definitely something to that, isn't there? Like we were saying before, you know, constantly kind of feel like an imposter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then your brain backs it up because your brain's going uh you know saying right yeah yeah well we'll keep you safe so like yeah we'll worry about that and uh keep thinking about it so it doesn't happen again so we'll keep you safe and we'll keep you in this kind of circle of self-hatred and uh you know and then you'll get into a relationship or something and then you'll be frightened that they're gonna leave and it just carries on because your brain is kind of geared to do that anyway yeah absolutely it feeds you doesn't it it feeds your insecurities in yeah. the worst possible way but also yeah i mean obviously you know people who struggle with anxiety like myself 
sometimes it's there for a reason, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's genuinely there to keep you safe. You yeah. know, so there's something to that. But that's a really good point about insecurity being sort of the the core of a lot of mental health issues. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. I kind of I could apply it to my own depression, and then as I've got older, I've started to think, oh, I think I have suffered with anxiety and I think I do suffer from anxiety but not in a an extreme way but in just enough that it will be the oh they don't like me why doesn't anyone why do I keep getting blown out you know it'll be and then it's like there's something wrong with me and then my brain goes for the yeah of course there is <laughs> and then you have to kind of pull yourself away from it and be objective but um yeah that's how I kind of tied that in with anxiety. So, uh, so do you do you have a lot of a lot of trouble with anxiety? Um, I used to a lot more. Again, you know, don't really think I knew what was what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, spent like those early years. Well, early years to say. I only I only spent one year at at BIM at Vocal Tech at the time. Um, but I was I was doing really well. Um, but I I was just struggling so much with my mental health. I just left. I just left London, um, packed a couple of bags, and just went back to Manchester. I never went back. So that, that was that was something that, when I look back on it, I don't regret anything because I did what I needed to do. Yeah. But I think if I'd had the support, if I'd spoken up about it, I might have been able to stay. I might have sort of been able to manage it a bit better. But yeah, I mean, who who hasn't over the last you know year or so? I think. There are certain things that I feel anxious about now that I probably did do a long time ago um, and then kind of reasoned with myself and kind of back to that mm. stage. You know, just simple things like um, travelling. You know, I used to sometimes worry about travelling. I mean, I've, I've travelled on my own. I've, I've travelled to other countries on my own and so I've gone off. But when I'm, when I'm out of control of something, I, I feel really anxious. So, yeah, things like the thought of getting on a train, even to London or something, you know, just fills me with like, oh, God, you know, what's that going to be like? And how am I going to manage that? And what happens if someone coughs? And, you know, just things like, like oh, it, it brings you back to some really core, childlike. Yeah. It's, you said a few things there that really rang with me. The first, like, I went to art university and only, only did a year. And, uh, yeah. And and then I ran home again, and that was that fear. Um, but I, I was I was quite seriously mentally ill. In you know now I look back on it, I was really unwell, and and that I was drinking heavily, etc. And I kind of laugh about leaving now, but it was that, and it was like, oh, I need to go home because I feel safe there. Um, but the Anxiety. I, I get anxiety around travel quite a lot. I don't um, like. I don't like going on holiday because basically I just want to get there, and I don't like that bit in between makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, and I do that. Yeah, I went to London at the weekend. I mean, I'm not far away, but still, you know, I just want to get there, and I won't relax until I get there. And I'm, and then even when I get there, I'm worrying about getting home. Just always kind of there. Stressful. Yeah, and it, I think it will be for a while, won't it? I think 
you know, I'm looking forward to a time where I don't feel as anxious. And I know I know it's there at some point. But yeah, I do I do have that. I do have that sort of gosh, you know, what's gonna happen now? And I think it's really important that, you know, we do sort of push ourselves at a at a pace that we're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and maybe step out of things a little bit you know now is the time to sort of do those things a little bit more comfortably um but yeah I, I definitely have struggled with anxiety definitely um and yeah j- just sort of I guess understanding it in the last few years and what it what it's meant for me um and things that maybe I didn't realize were anxiety and I disguised as other things especially when you've got kids you yeah. know there's a lot around well, I just want the kids to be all right. But actually, it's probably just me having felt really worried as a child, you know, and you get worried about them being bullied. You get worried about yeah. them, you know, not eating their school dinners. These are all things that I went through. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you kind of project a lot when, when, you, when you've got kids and it's just the anxiety. It just never goes away. You just learn to reason with it a little bit. So, yeah, I was reading the book last night and it was it wasn't a mental health book but it was talking about the um being a parent how you've just left yourself open to this world of things to worry about and you probably will worry until you till you come you know until you die and uh and I was like oh yeah yeah and it but what you say is so true yeah you project so much of your anxieties onto them and like my, I mean my son's got autism and it is like I worry about him and I project my worries onto him but he doesn't he, he, that, you know he's not bothered at all he's really happy all the time and he doesn't even notice if people are being mean you know it's just he's not even remotely interested but yeah I'm still like but I need to protect him but it's almost like yeah you need to protect I need yeah, I needed someone to protect me. I think yeah. it's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't want them to go through what you went through, and I think that that's the that's a it's a really it's a really sort of obvious statement, isn't it? Once you realise it, you're yeah. like, well, that's what's been going on all this time, and it doesn't ever go. I mean, my my mum still worries about me loads. Yeah, you know, she she doesn't verbalise it, but I know I know she does by how she behaves and. You know, it's it's lovely, but it it mustn't ever go away. Yeah. So there's there's that as well. That there's everything that that brings. Yeah, like traveling becomes a whole new thing because you're worried about getting them somewhere, and you know if they're not potty trained, then it's like where do we find? You know, where can we empty the? So much goes along with that. But yeah, I think I've disguised it along the way as well. You know, it's normal parent worry, and actually, it's just me being really anxious because probably a lot of other people don't worry about these things but yeah i definitely struggle definitely struggle with you thought i found um like admitting to struggling as a parent that is a whole other thing that if you if you like I, i've quite often go god i wish i hate this sometimes you know, like the idea that if you, as a parent, you would say, you know, I'm a, you know, this is awful. And it is awful sometimes. And everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, it's like this idea that, no, no, we'll all pretend it's lovely. La, 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 la. And again, it's like, 
well, we could just have a conversation and we'll all feel better. Yeah, yeah there's this real taboo, isn't there, about admitting that sometimes it's difficult. It's like you're admitting you don't love your child. Yeah. Like, actually, that's not what I'm saying. It's really difficult. And I, and I hate that parents can't feel that they can't talk about that with you know without being judged there's a really great um comedian that puts a lot out on social media called tired and tested and she's just amazing and she doesn't try and hide anything she did loads of videos over lockdown about how difficult it was she's so funny but really on the nose with everything um and things like that you know people just need to have a laugh about it don't they it can be really difficult and you're yeah. not saying that you don't care about them but it's really difficult and that's all right yeah yeah, that's what I always say. We're coming up to an hour. I would really... Actually, one thing. I'd like to kind of wrap up in a minute with uh, like a couple of top tips, maybe, if you've got them. I should have given you some forewarning. But what I wanted to come back to was... Uh, uh, you said, um, you know, we were talking about projecting your anxieties onto them and you know when you actually say it it's like it's just that simple and uh that's been the really big thing i've learned i've you know had lots of therapy and i've paid money for therapy just for someone to tell me the bleeding obvious sometimes yeah yeah but some, sometimes you need to hear it don't you sometimes yeah. you know you know exactly what's going on but you yeah. just needed someone to hear it or give you permission to think about it or whatever's going on. I say that a lot to clients, you know, they'll go, oh, thanks. And like, it was already, it was already there. You just yeah. needed somebody else to, to hold the mirror and say it. And, and yeah. then that absolutely fine. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, you need that. You need someone sometimes to just say, this is what's going on. And that's all right. Yeah. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, yeah, I do that all the time. Oh, yeah, oh, I do that all the time, don't I? Right, stop doing that again. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, and we need reminders, don't we, sometimes? You know, we're not perfect. We, sometimes we just need some reminders of things that we've known and we've forgotten because of the things that have taken over and we're parents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, awareness, self-awareness is, is really important, isn't it? Yeah. So... Have you got a have you got a tip for us? <laughs> <laughs> Self awareness. Yeah. I think I think yeah I think that that is a massive thing. I think not not everybody has a curiosity about themselves. Um, you know, not not everybody wants to know, which is probably you know you were saying earlier when people talk about things and, and you sort of open up and they don't want to talk about it and or they, they sort of make a mean comment about, you know, manning up or whatever it is they've said. You know, not everybody's that self-aware. Sometimes they don't want to do the work. They don't want to sort of explore things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, top tips, just being kind. Be kind to yourself. You know, we, we, we the world sort of bullies us sometimes, doesn't it? You know, yeah. we just need to be kind. There's enough of that out there. Be kind to ourselves. Be kind to other people. Um, you know, show compassion. Show empathy to people. You know, again, people don't do that enough, but hopefully the people that do will keep the world turning and keep people feeling okay and like they can manage and cope. So yeah, being being kind, we don't can't, can't really say enough, can we? It's um, I quite often talk about the five ways of well-being, and they're being a bit in there about um, 
coming up away from yourself and helping others is a really good way to kind of take yourself away from your faults and then you're doing a good thing to someone which makes you feel good and it, it really is just as simple as that you don't actually have to do a lot just showing a bit of empathy sometimes um actually makes you feel good about yourself too and that's all right yeah, absolutely yeah that, that, that's that's another thing isn't it you know it's okay to, to sort of voice that you sometimes feel proud of yourself or, you're, or you, you you know you're being kind I think that is really important as well people don't do that enough it's coming up a lot in my work actually lately um that people people aren't kind to themselves they've never really learned it you know if you if you yeah. boast about yourself let's say that when you're younger you get called a show off or yeah. full of yourself or, you know, there needs to be that kindness. We're relearning it as adults, aren't we? You know, yeah. of the mirror and do affirmations every morning and all that kind of stuff. You know, we need to sort of be mindful of the fact that, you know, sometimes we do do something really cool and we need to just acknowledge that. And again, yeah, just be kind to ourselves, that it's, that it's okay to give yourself a bit of love. Yeah, pat yourself on the back sometimes. And then... Yeah. That makes you feel better about yourself, weirdly. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Well, if you do it regularly, it really does help. I swear by that. It feels weird, but it's, yeah, doing it regularly, it stops feeling as weird. It actually works. So, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Oh, thank you so much, Rachel. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. I knew we'd get on. And yeah, me too. Thanks for listening. Well, I feel it feels a bit like a therapy session. I feel like I've, I've um, offloaded to you. <laughs> yeah, I always feel like that as well. That's that's why it's great. You know, it's a great thing to do. Like an evening of a week, it makes everything great and just meet great people. Well, if if I can ever help out with anything, please shout, um, and I'll let you know when we when we release. Great, thanks, Nick. Likewise, and yeah, it's been lovely meeting you. And yeah, speak soon. Thanks, Rachel. See you later. Bye. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.